a listener production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The Elle Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career. I like being at home, really. It's just a casual My chat with the lighting setup, set up, yep. the cameras, microphones, really. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. On this episode, I chat to Travis Bulk. He is one of Australia's most renowned hairstylists. He actually started his career path in Brisbane in a salon, which led him all the way to Hollywood, where he actually cut Lady Gaga's hair. I also bought this shirt in black, and I wore it to especially. Yes, because you know I like the cream yeah. one. And then as I left... I've known of Travis for years, but never actually had the opportunity to work with him up until six months ago when he made me a brunette for a campaign that we worked on. I didn't realise how inspiring he was going to be until I got to work with him. I'm going to clap now. Don't be scared. Oh, gets in there. <laughs> gets in there, doesn't it? Travis, I am so excited to have you here today to chat about all things career, life, sliding door moments. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here. Yay. Okay. So before we get into the questions, I have a thing called the fast five. So okay. you can't think about it too much. All right. The quicker the answer, the more honest the answer yep. I've found. Okay. Favorite dessert? Oh, favorite dessert, carrot cake. Favorite way to unwind? Swim at Clo Valley. First email address? TGB at Hotmail. <laughs> What's one thing you always have in your fridge? Oh, watermelon. It says so much about those photos on Instagram. <laughs> so much. Would you rather give up social media or eat the same dinner for the rest of your life? Social media. Nice. I learn a lot about my guests when I ask those questions. Yeah. So, Travis, I've had an exciting year this year because I actually had always known who you were, but I had actually never worked with yes. you. And I had always admired you from afar and your work, but I never realized how much of an amazing human you are until I got to work with Aww. you. And it's actually been such a highlight for me professionally to actually have your amazingness happen, but also just connect with somebody and have great chats on set. And yeah. that's why I wanted to have you in here today because we actually haven't had the opportunity to learn and chat freely about how you got into the industry. Yes. And I agree in terms of us connecting because in this industry, there's always the person of the moment and people are coming and going. And then obviously people get someone that they like and they stay with them for a long time. And it's, there's so many different factors about who does your hair or why you spend time with them. So our paths may have not crossed for a number of reasons. And then when something brings you together and I'm the kind of person I always keep my judgments until I'm actually with the person and work myself. So I didn't really have any preconceived ideas about working with you. And obviously when you meet someone like yourself who has a look and is a brand, it's not about coming in as a hairstylist and being like, I'm going to transform you. It's about respecting, you know, the whole 
person. Do you know what I yeah. find funny about that was the first time we actually met, they made you transform me into a brunette. That's Which is kind of part. weird because everyone was like, oh my God, you've never worked with her. And then you cut her hair off and made it brown. And I was like, <laughs> actually I didn't. It's a weird. But anyway, <laughs> but I feel like that moment when we did work together on that project, what I liked about that was basically you have a look and, and you have a brand based on that look. And we all do. Like I have a look in terms of my hairstyles as well. So being brought on to a set like that where we have to completely transform you into something else, the fact that you respected me enough to give me that shot, that's like one of those career pat on the back moments where people are like, I'm trusting a stranger with something that I never do. Aren't we so glad it's it nice went to well. be, yeah. You know, <laughs> it was going to go one of two ways. We're lucky it went the good way. It went the good way. Yeah. So I want to know, how did you get into the industry? So I grew up on the Gold Coast mm-hmm. and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And when I finished high school, I was working at a hotel in the Gold Coast at the buffet restaurant. Loves it. Yep. So I was bussing the tables. and. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So I really liked, obviously, being around people. Then I moved to London and I was doing a similar kind of job with a girlfriend of mine, Nadine, at the time. And then I started dating a hairdresser who now is like a very famous hairdresser in London. And I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting job. So I was hanging out and watching him. And then I moved back to Australia and enrolled in a hairdressing course. Oh, really? Yeah. So actually, 23 years ago, you could do a hairdressing apprenticeship was a four-year apprenticeship and you worked in a salon, you went to TAFE one day a week. Yep. Or you could pay a fee and you could do a fast track apprenticeship in a 12-month period. So I did the fast track. Oh, wow. And I just was like, I'm going to get straight into this. You were really just going for yeah. it. Yeah. When so did you realise that you kind of like had a unique talent for it? Like did it, the light bulb go off as soon as you had a pair of scissors in your hand? Look, to or? be honest, it was kind of dumb of me to decide to be a hairdresser because there's no hairdressers in my family. My yeah. parents didn't know anything. When I said to my parents, I'm going to be a hairdresser, they are like, oh, cool. Okay, wonder what that means. Because obviously, you know, you don't know what, I don't know. Also, people think when you say you want to be a hairdresser, people tend to think of how they view their hairdresser. So to some people, when I say, like if my mum says to one of her friends, oh, my son's a hairdresser, they automatically have a picture of me working in the mall doing their grandma's hair. Yeah. But they don't understand hairdressing is a huge thing. And obviously my partner at the time in London was working with a lot of celebrities and doing that style of hair. So that was my taste of hairdressing. I was like, oh, hairdressing is kind of exciting. Yeah. But then I got a wake up call. I came back to Australia and I did my fast track apprenticeship. In Sydney? No, in Brisbane. Oh, wow. And I was actually one of the, I was the last year, used to be Anthony Wynne Holscher was the hairdressing academy. And I was the last year of students. Then they closed that academy. And did you have to learn all aspects? You learn all aspects. It's like fast tracking. You do all your TAFE assignments and then there's a salon within the building and you do clients one day a week. And for me, that really worked. And I guess halfway into it, I was like, oh yeah, this is kind of easy. Mm -hmm. And not to sound like a wanker, but certain things came really easy to me. Yep. Perming, and I still do perms now, perming, um, things that were like difficult services, upstyling, stuff like that. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to put the hair up. And all my TAFE teachers, one of them, Amanda, I still go to the Gold Coast and do her hair now whenever I'm home visiting my family. But my TAFE teachers are like, oh, wow. And in in the 12-month course, um, it's competency-based. I completed it in nine months because I was just gunning through it and loved everything that I was doing. 
So I never really, I guess I kind of thought to myself, is it meant to be this easy? It's when you know you're doing the right thing, I yeah. feel. And so did you finish in Brisbane and then? I finished in Brisbane. Yep. And when you do this fast track thing, you have to do like work experience. So you apply to go and work in a salon. So I went to work in a salon. I got given a one week's work experience pass. So it was called Vogue National Hair Design. And I went there to work for my one week. When I finished that, they were like, we don't have any jobs for you. And there was two owners of the salon. One owner really liked me and the other owner didn't really like me. The one that didn't like me is the one that gives people the jobs. So he was like, sorry, we don't have anything available. Anyway, the Monday morning I was like just rocked up there and they're like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm working here. Without having the job? Yeah, no job. And I you, just had, and I lived on the Gold Coast and I'd drive my little Honda Civic up I to Brisbane, it. park in the Maya Centre <laughs> and then I'd go to work. Yeah. And I just kept showing up and then they couldn't kick me out. How long did you do that for? I ended up working there for three years. And just doing everything? Yeah. So basically when I started working there, the owner who didn't like me, who probably now does, I'm not sure, he, he was like, I don't, and a lot of people in the industry, it's probably why those academies closed. They were like, you can't be a hairdresser in nine months. Yeah. So they had zero respect for me because they were like, you just went and did a whole heap of TAFE assignments and now you've got a certificate to say you're a hairdresser, but you've never done making tea, folding towels, mopping the the floor. You haven't done the hard yards. So you've got to do the hard yards. And I think I did, looking back now, I did my hard yards. I'm still doing them. Yeah. But I did my hard yards in a different way. And I have a different respect for young hairdressers these days because not a lot of people in the industry know that I completed a fast track course. No. And when I'm talking to people and they're like, apprenticeships, 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 I'm like, oh, I didn't do that. And I'm not a failure. Like no. the system can work. It's just dependent on the person. Yeah, the individual. Yeah. yeah. So I guess over a period of time, there was a woman, Vula, and she kind of took me under her wing. Her brother worked there as well, Dimitri. They took me under their wing and basically... I just shadowed them for years. Oh, still in in that same in, salon in yeah. Brisbane. Yeah. So, and were your parents supporting you then? Were yes. You, they your cheerleaders? Yep. You know, yeah. Because I, I think it's really interesting talking to so many creatives that I've had the pleasure of speaking to. It's the people right at the beginning when you kind of take that leap of faith and you're like, I'm going to be a hairdresser and or I'm yeah. going to do something so random. To have supporters is such a key part of your path. Yes. And I think like my parents were definitely my number one supporters because it's frightening for them, I guess, when I come home and I say to them, I'm getting paid $300 a week. And they're like, okay, well, you're never going to be able to live off that. And are we going to be supporting you for the rest of our lives? They never said those things. They were probably thinking it and they never said it. Um, And they just were like, whatever you want to do, we don't know what's going on in your career as such. And the kind of really nice thing about my parents is still now when I ring my mum and dad and I'm like, oh, I got optioned for this job and I'm going on this trip or whatever. They're like, wow, that's so amazing. They still don't get my job that (laughs) I'm getting paid to fly to New York to blow dry someone's hair. They don't get that concept, but they love it. They're obsessed that the fact of my career became my lifestyle. So can I ask, how did it happen? How did you go from Brisbane (laughs) fast tracking to now being one of Australia's best hairdressers. And I mean, you do the likes of Hollywood's A-list. Yeah. Just like you just said, you travelled to New York to blow dry somebody's yeah. hair. How did that happen? I honestly think, and it could sound a bit wanky, 
but it's actually the truth. And whenever I work with people, I'm like this, or like my nephews and nieces, I'm like, this is how easy life actually can be. And I think it is because it worked out for me. Maybe that means it's not going to work out for everyone. When I started working at that hair salon that they didn't want me to work at, I just went there every day. I had a smile. I did my job. I folded the towels neater than the person who did it before me. If someone mopped the floor, I mopped everywhere. Rather than skipping the corners, I lifted up the bin and mopped under it. So I just did my job and did it really well and was nice. And people 23 years ago that were apprentices in that salon, I still speak to now. They're still a part of my life. And I think it all happens from building relationships. And if you're a fun, likable person and you're a hard worker, that's the first key to anything. And that's what I did. I just worked really hard and have a respect for people. So I was living in Brisbane. I met some hairdressers in Sydney. Like I sent an email to Renya Exitis and I was like, oh my God, this woman does all the shows at Sydney Fashion Week. Yeah. And I emailed her direct and was like, hey, I want to come and help you. I want to work on your team. And she wrote me back an email and said, listen, sweetheart, it would be lovely. I like all of the things that you discuss and are doing, but I'm building my team within my salon. So I feed my kids first, Okay. the people who work for me. Yep. But if you happen to be down here, then yes, of course. So I'd fly down from Brisbane and I'd work on Fashion Week and just started surrounding myself with those kind of people. Yeah. I met Jane Wilde, who is a hairdresser, and Jane and Gary are incredible people. They happen to be opening a salon in Surrey Hills. So they said, would you like to move down to Sydney and come work in our Surrey Hills salon? So they offered me a job and I moved to Sydney. And once I got to Sydney, having had that relationship of what Fashion Week felt like with Renya, then there was a moment where I guess my parents came back to support me because Jane and Gary were like, oh, we're going to New York to do Tony Matichewski's show. Oh, wow. It's one moment, yes. isn't it? I want to ask you about your sliding door moment because this is when the magic starts to happen. Yes. What was your sliding door moment? Well, I guess it is that moment when I was working and I'd kind of, if you just work away in the corner and do a good job, you earn the respect of your peers. And I think that's what happens first. These days, a lot of people look to the good job and want a fast track there. I did a fast track apprenticeship, but I wasn't afraid of putting in the time and the effort. So I was working hard and Jane and Gary said, look, we're going to do a Tony Matichewski show. GHD is sponsoring it. This is like 18 years ago. Yeah. GHD is sponsoring it. We're going over there with a team of people. If you happened to be there, you could work on our show. So I'm like, hi, mom, dad, I want to go to New York. I want to go to New York. I've got this great opportunity. So obviously my parents financially supported me. Yeah. I'm one of five children. So whatever you do for one, you have to do for the other four. (laughs) So when I'm asking my parents for a trip to New York, I'm not asking for one. They've got to give five. Yeah. And they're very fair like that. So it was a big deal for my parents that many years ago to be like, okay, we're going to invest in this. Yeah. I went to New York and... I was working on the Tony Matichewski show. Obviously, they had local hairdressers, guys from New York who were part of a GHD team. I met this guy, Craig, working. I'm going to assist Craig. I was such a good assister. At the end of the day, he was like, oh, you're really fun and you're really good. I've got a client that I can't look after. So would you be able to go and do it for me? And I was like, oh, yeah, what do I have to do? Just a blow dry. I was like, yep, no worries. So I went to do his client and it was the actress Brittany Murphy. Oh, yeah. Who has since passed away. But amazing. But yeah, she was amazing. And Tied definitely from back Clueless. then. Yes. Yes. So yeah, I ended up at a hotel 
doing Brittany Murphy's hair and pretty much that moment where he said, I want you to do this client, can you do it? That just changed everything. Wow. And I thought, actually, I really enjoy doing this. And then that was my first taste of what life as kind of a international celebrity fashion hairdresser could be because it opened up a whole new world to me that I never even thought of. Yeah. The fact that, you know, you, you don't realize when you're watching TV or growing up that all these people, they're having their hair done by someone. Yes. And that someone can and be And that you. someone could be you. Yeah. And it just is as simple as that. And I think I didn't know what I was doing at the time. <laughs> but I just had like enough courage maybe to put my head out there and do it. And I've been fortunate enough to have several moments like that. Um, Jane and Gary have continued to recommend amazing clients to me. Renya, she did the same thing to me. Uh, one year we're at Hair Expo and she was doing a thing for Hair Expo. She said, I've got a blow dry client this afternoon, but I can't do it because I'm doing this Hair Expo thing. Here's my curling iron. Here's my hairdryer. Go to this woman's house and blow dry hair. I didn't know, follow the address, get there. Kate Blanchard opens the door. Wow. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's kind Renya of- had so many people to pick from and she picked me. And I guess if you asked her today, she would say, because I trust him and I know he does a good job and also he's a nice person. So I think, yeah, I have those moments all the time where people recommend you to people and it is that sliding door moment, but the door slides many times in your career and it's just if you're willing to walk through it or not. That's and true. I think that's some of the doors maybe slid open and I went the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's also part of the learning curve. Can yeah. we talk about that for a second? One more time you went through the door and you went the wrong way? An experience or a sacrifice maybe that you had to do or something? I think probably I was working for Jane and Gary and I was doing, starting to do a lot more editorial work. And then um, Renya opened a salon in the city. It was at the bottom of ACP at the time, which is now Bauer. It was a magazine hub. There was like so many titles. It was all yes. amazing. I so I had this it. sliding door moment where she was opening a brand new salon. She said, look, I'm not going to take my team from Valons. I want to build a whole new team. Will you be a part of it? I was like, oh my God, this is an amazing opportunity. So the sliding door came open and I stepped into it. And I think what happened is maybe I, I don't want to say like I was growing too fast because I think, yeah, maybe they were stretch marks or growing pains, but I think everything was happening a lot. And at a point in my life where maybe I didn't know how to harness all that energy and manage it. And maybe I became a brat mm -hmm. and it was my attitude that... Maybe it wasn't necessarily the, the door was open in a good way, but my attitude took me in the wrong way. Yeah. And I may have had like a period at the beginning of working there where I was kind of like, I don't know, that kid when you can first walk, so you go around and open every cupboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of opening in a lot of Pandora's closets and dropping bombs everywhere. <laughs> and when I look back now in my whole career, I probably had to have that moment of being a bit of a brat to wake myself up. And I still think back to those moments all the time because I think to myself, I see it in other people now when I see their attitude change or whatever and I'm like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're a little bit, you're there, but you're not there, but you're not ever really going to be there or you just don't know and you feel a bit unsafe. So yeah. you can act out in a bad way. 
I think my attitude, I wasn't the happiest with my attitude then and doors closed. Yeah. And then I probably didn't realize that the doors were closing because of my attitude. You blame things on other things. But you grow up a little bit. I grew up really fast, yeah. yeah. You know, I moved to Sydney. I had no family here and I probably was a bit of a brat. And to be honest, the person who carried me through all of that and still never really turned their back on me was Renya because many times she did stick her neck out for me when I used to go to jobs and tell people what I thought of them and <laughs> probably had the wrong attitude. But, yeah, that's probably a door opened in a good place but I took it to a bad place. It's interesting that. It's a, it's a lot to think about because I think you can kind of think about those times in your own life. Do you mm. know what I mean? I think we've all had them. But obviously, like, there was a stage there where last year I flew to New York like six times. I was flying there to do someone's hair for the Met. Then I'd fly to Paris and do a show. And I was flying all around the world. And yeah. you're, you're going business class. You've got drivers picking you up. It was, like, ridiculous. The lifestyle was incredible. And I always text my parents and I'm like, oh my God, can you believe it? Like I got bumped up to first class and the chair is so good. And oh my God. And people may look at your Instagram and and be like, oh, you're such a wanker. You just go here, there and everywhere. But they don't see me calling my mum and dad going, holy shit. Like this is amazing. And like every time I get out at an airport and I see the person with a piece of paper that says my name, I think, oh my God, I'm so grateful. Like I love my life. Yeah, And then I just want to share that with other people that love what they do. Was there a time in your career where it got too hard or you felt like you had imposter syndrome, which so many of us sometimes have? Has Mm. there been a time that you felt those feelings? To be honest, I don't think so. And I think for me, I've never really thought my life is hard. I mean, obviously we work together quite a bit now. And when I see you, I'm like, oh, I'm so exhausted. (laughs) I'm not confusing exhaustion with my job being hard. My job has never really been hard. I absolutely love it. And I get up and I go every day and I'm obsessed with it. I love that. Um, Some days there's challenges. And I think I had a few people, small amount of people in my career. I had Jane Wilde, who's got a very big name for herself and a stamp on her style of hairdressing, mentored by Renya Exitis, one of Australia's best, but also she has her very distinctive style. Then internationally, I've grown... For the last 15 years, I've managed Eugene Solomon's team, one of the biggest hairstyles in the world. He also has a very strong signature. And I've managed to survive those three huge people and develop my identity that looks nothing like any of them. You survived. That's the main word. Yeah. So I feel like even they will send me messages when they see my work and compliment me on my work, but it's nothing like what they would have done. So I think... Just staying true to yourself and to your own flavor. Because at the end of the day, if you do something and you make a mistake, it's your mistake. If I try and do your hairstyle how someone else did it, I'm trying to be them. So already I've made the mistake before I pick up the comb. You know what I mean? Where do you think that came from, though, you being so like strong-minded and believing in yourself so much? I think my mum and dad. Yeah, okay. Because... We're like five kids in five years. We're very close together. And my parents' biggest um, thing that I would say they've they've taught us is just to be ourselves. Um, my mum and dad, they're very supportive of whatever we want to do and everyone's individual. I was yeah. probably the rat bag worst child that gave them the most <laughs> headaches. 
But even at the times that I was giving them all those headaches, they were still like, maybe this is how you are or this, this is, is who, you, who are. you are. You'll come through the <laughs> other side. So, yeah, I guess having that confidence comes from a lot of things. Like maybe I personally would think, what would make you more confident? If I went to a bar for a drink, I'd want to be taller so people saw me at the counter. I'd want to be more handsome so people recognize my looks. I'd want to have a better body so then people would pay attention to me. So I think of all these things, but they're all physical things. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually, I guess why things worked for me is because of your attitude. So I believe in myself. I like what I do and I just back myself. I love that. And at the end of the day, yeah, I think the worst thing you can do is think, okay, here's Al Ferguson. She's got a signature look. I don't know who started that look. Someone did it and they've been working on that. She has a brand. There's all these things. So then I could fall into a trap of trying to do that thing and and maintain someone else's story. Yeah. But when I see you, I pay respect to your look and then I discuss about how I can tweak it in my own personality. Yeah. And I feel like then that way I'm confident I'm offering you me. Yeah, and it's you know very I mean? attractive. I have to say it's really it's it's an attractive trait to have confidence and believing in yourself and mm. I don't think enough of us actually do it, you know what I mean? Yes. So, what's next for you? What's the goal that yeah. you're working on? I mean, you've we're going to talk about it, but you <laughs> opened an amazing salon. Yes. So, I opened a salon late last year. So, that is kind of something that's always been a bit of a I wouldn't say a dream necessarily, but it's always been a path that probably my parents, because they have their own business and they work for themselves, dad's always like, you need a business, son. <laughs> um, you got to be something more. When you're too old to brush people's hair, what are you going to have? <laughs> so I guess it's something that I always thought, yep, I'm going to do a salon. Um, for me, I wasn't wanting to do a salon, which sounds weird, but it's kind of been the map of my whole career. I don't want to sound like a brat saying it, but it's not a financial decision to open a salon because mm-hmm. if anything, maybe it's it's a bigger risk, risk. that you're going to lose money. Yeah, especially um, with what we've just gone with through. With what we've gone through. We yeah. opened in um, November just after kind of the coronavirus chaos and during the whole corona, when like my girlfriend who I partnered with, Christy Lee, we started talking in March, then Corona hit and we continued our plan all the way through. And every time when we met and discussed what we wanted to do and how we we're going to build this team, we were never really phased by money or Corona and things yeah. like that. And people around us were like our family and stuff yeah. saying, you guys need to be cautious and, yeah, and what whatever. Are you doing? And we, Chrissy Lee and I both were of the belief, if we like what we do and we create a nice environment, you know, you build it, they'll come. And basically the finances will come in the end or maybe it does or it doesn't. But that's kind of my goal at the moment. And it's more so to give people the chances that I had. Like I worked I in that salon. I was going to ask about that yeah. because I think it's hearing your story now, that salon played such a huge part in your path. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's the thing, like for me to stop work and not to have had a salon where some people could feel safe to be themselves and do whatever they want to do, would seem like a bit of a shame. Yeah. And traveling overseas and working on fashion week shows, I work with amazing hairstylists. But when you work on a hair team, you're the hairdresser that goes to the show. So what changes at each show you go to is the makeup artist. So over the years, like I share my birthday with Charlotte Tilbury. Oh, yeah. So I've done loads of shows with Charlotte and traveled the world with her. And like, obviously she's 
now launched, I went through the process, was working with her when she was developing her makeup. Wow. Pat McGrath, she's now got her mothership and has her makeup brand and yeah. I was with her. Wow. Val Garland, I worked with her and I have a great relationship. I've traveled the world with Val Garland when yeah. she was with Mac doing yeah. loads of things. And Val Garland once said to me, her legacy that she leaves behind is not a makeup in a magazine. It's the people she opened the door for and gave them a career. So she could look back and say, look at that really nice show that I did for this designer. Look at that print magazine that I did amazing cover for. But when she looks back at the people she gave a career to, that's what really is her legacy. And it really resonated with me because obviously the people that supported me, they gave me a life, a lifestyle, a career. Everything that I have now is because of my job. It doesn't feel like a job because I get up and I can't wait to see what's today going to be. Am I working with a celebrity? Am I working with a client? Am I doing someone's grandma? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. It's exciting. And I feel like that's what we've built our salon philosophy on. It's just to give people a space to be them. I don't want to churn out mini Travis's. And do you have apprentices now? Yeah. 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 And are you liking being that person? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And you know what's actually been the biggest challenge for me maybe? Learning that I'm the personality type that I was like, I want to do this. And I was given an environment and supported and I did it. But now sometimes with young people, I'm kind of like, here's all of the tools, choose what you want and you can have anything. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the biggest step is trying to make people feel safe enough to take the leap because a lot of people are scared. And the thing is, I probably only got to where I was because I wasn't scared. Yeah, you had the. I was going to ask that because so many people now with social media, they probably do it with you. They do it with me. They ask, how did you get there? How do you do it? How do I make it happen? What advice would you have for somebody that wants to follow a similar path as you have? Obviously, it's all those cliche things. Oh, it's hard work and it's long hours and putting it's in everything. It's not though. There's a reason. But it's actually, it's actually, yes, there's long hours, but they don't feel like long hours when you're enjoying it. I would say if you're at home and you're thinking to yourself, I want to be an editorial stylist or a celebrity stylist or just someone who, like there's so many great, incredible personal stylists that take care of celebrities or, you know, people all around the world. I think the number one thing that you need to do is find in yourself something that you believe in and trust yourself and then everything else will come. It's not about learning, going, working with the best hairdresser, going and doing this. All of those ingredients don't matter. If you don't have that gut burning fire for yourself and like what you're doing, it's never going to happen. I love no. chatting on these podcasts because I feel really fired up after I, I, I talk with yeah. these amazing people like yourself because it kind of, it is what you almost want to hear. You get opportunities, right? And they're sliding doors or they're opportunities and it's what you do with it. So when I started working with this guy, Eugene Solomon, who's one of the most incredible hairstyles in the world, he already had a full-time paid salary assistant. Tamara. And now Tamara is in New York. She's a very big hairstyle. She does loads of editorial work and she's made a great career for herself. But Tamara was a bit of a slow burn and quite nervous and always kind of on edge and never really trusted herself because maybe she was in a relationship at the time and her partner wasn't very supportive of her. So she, Tamara always had this cloud around her. And I went on a job once um, to LA 
and we were doing the Alejandro film clip with Lady Gaga. Wow. And Eugene was there. He had me from Australia. Tamara came out from New York. He had another girl from New York, Pamela. Val Garland was doing the makeup. She had her assistant, who was also from Australia at the time, actually. Stephen Klein was shooting it. You know. Wow. So it was a really big job. Then Eugene, halfway through this week of filming, he had to go to Geneva because he's the global head of Weller. So he had a meeting in Geneva that he had to attend. So he would obviously leave his first assistant, Tamara, in charge of the job. But she was so nervous by the whole situation. He was like, right, I've got to leave someone here. What's going to happen? I was like, I'll do it. Did you do Gaga? Yeah. I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. He's like, (laughs) really? Okay. Because basically I was like, I just have to jump now. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember... I was like, I'm going to do it. I was like, I'm going to do this. And in the film clip, she has a bowl cut and Eugene cut half of the haircut. And then the other side of the haircut, he said, okay, will you finish that? I'll just pick up the scissors and finish. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. But you did. what can you do? You just give it a go. I don't know. You don't cut Gaga's hair with a pair of scissors. (laughs) But at the end of the day, you're just going (laughs) to give it a go and see what happens. Yeah. And I remember I was on set. And I love Val Garland. She's amazing. And you know, a lot of people, maybe they don't know, but she was a hairdresser to start with. Yeah. She had a hair salon in Sydney um, and she's an amazing hairstylist and she fell into makeup just yeah. by chance. And she said to me, was standing on set. She was doing her film clip dancing. Stephen Klein was directing. It was getting filmed by the cinematographer who did Shawshank Redemption. Like it was a big job. Yeah. And Val stood next to me and she was like, pinch yourself now. That's what I was like just about to this, say to you. Do you pinch yeah. yourself and go, I'm the guy she from said Brisbane to me, that fast-tracked yeah, my apprentice? Yeah, she said to me, pinch yourself now. And all these years later, I still, like whenever Val and I get together in London or wherever we are, sometimes in Milan at shows and stuff, we always sit together and have a tea and we just pinch ourselves still. And at the end of the job, it's one of those things people must ask you sometimes when people are like, can I have a photo or something like that. At the end of the job, we were leaving and Val said, you need to get her, yes. like we didn't take a selfie. She was like, you need to get her to write you a thank you or something. Anyway, Val asked Lady Gaga and she wrote a letter to me basically saying, thank you, my little monster, for making me so beautiful and taking care of me. And, yeah, she wrote me a letter and signed it. And was That's like, framed above your bedhead. Well, it is framed no, in my room. Like, yeah. yeah, but it's... It is framed in my room, but... No, but it's a moment. Yeah. Like, I was going to ask you what your biggest pinch yourself moment was. Probably so, that, because yeah. I respect Stephen Klein's photography and to be on set with him is like a life dream. You know, people dream to work with people like that. Um, Val, she's a friend, a mentor, a source of inspiration, and just to be there and to have those moments where you're like, wow. And I basically fell into that moment because Eugene was like, who wants to do this? And Tamara Amanad and I was like, I'll give it a go. Yeah, you just got to jump. And I just, yeah. Can you share with us another moment that you've had? Because I just find it, I find it so incredibly because I always live by the quote, achieving success quietly. I love that. Mm. And I feel like you're somebody that does that because you kind of go quiet for a minute and then you like pop up and you're like shaving Lara Bingle's head or... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're very good at that. So is yeah. there another moment that you've had that you've kind of just pulled a rabbit out of a hat? Yeah, it happens quite a bit. Um, <laughs> you're it like does this happen, morning. It does happen quite a bit. And I mean, it all relates back to just, I don't know whether I'm brave or stupid, 
but it seems to have worked for me. Like I've done lots of amazing things. When Kanye first started his collection, I worked under Eugene and did his show for many years in New York. Can you tell me about this? Because I'm a huge Yeezy fan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can you tell me what yeah. that was like? Well, it's amazing. Obviously, like Kanye had never done a show before. So it was a huge thing for him. Um, obviously, then all of the Kardashian Jenners were all involved in it. So, you know, one day you're booked on a show, you're doing Vera Wang, and the next day you're with Kanye. But do you really not doubt yourself? Like, do you really no. just kind of go, I'm just going And for I it? have an amazing relationship with Eugene because he's the kind of person, he will say to me, Trav, what do you think? What do you think, Trav? And then Kanye will say to me, what do you reckon that she needs to do with her hair? And I'm like, I wouldn't do it in the ponytail that you're suggesting because it looks too aggressive. I would just do this, which you've been on set with me. Yeah. I'm very... You're confident. I'm, I'm good at explaining my reasons as to why I think something. And yeah. I think that also plays a uh, factor in where you end up in your career because mm. it's not just I'm going to do it because I say so. And a lot of people can't explain to clients or people why they've come up with something. And I think I have a good explanation behind it and explain to people so then you teach their eye to see what you're seeing, then you gain their trust. So, yeah, I worked with him for a few years and all the Kardashians and that was great. I mean, probably a huge highlight for my career is working with the fashion designer John Galliano. Yeah. You know, yeah. just having someone like that literally in a, in a room with like 60 people all putting together a collection and he says, what's happening with the hair, Travis? Is it this or that? And even my boss looks at me and he's like, oh, well, he's asking you the question. Obviously, everyone's listening to you today. Well. And I never asked for that. I think I just, yeah, I have an opinion and I like to share it. And people can look at that as arrogance and um, you're up yourself and all kinds of things. But I feel a bit sorry for those people because it's not about being up yourself. It's about believing in yourself. So I'm not up myself. And I think anyone who spends more than the half an hour listening to this or, yeah, you know, getting no. to know me would know I'm actually not up myself. Not at I all. like pretty things because I like pretty things. I like a bag of chips at Clovelly. And I like to go for a swim like I'm the daggy kid from the Gold Coast. But if it comes to a hairstyle, I have a certain thing that I like and I'm going to fight for it and I'm going to explain why I think that. And I think that's kind of put me in, in that place that I am in today where people now book me and respect you for that. I think that is so incredible for people to hear, to believe in themselves. And I don't think as Australians, we actually say it enough. Yeah, because there's always someone better and there's mm. always something like, you know, that Chris Appleton, he's the yeah. hottest thing on earth. <laughs> and he can looks really, good wet in a suit. He definitely does. <laughs> and he can really do hair. Yes. And the only difference between maybe him and so many people here in Australia is that we don't have the clan of people that he can do. In Australia, we have a very small handful of celebrities because we're a small population. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a celebrity. Sometimes the celebrity just means that we see them on the news or we see them in a movie. So then that brings awareness to a greater group of people. But there's plenty of people when I go and work in other salons and I train people and I see people, there's plenty of people that I look up to that are not celebrity hairstyles, but they do believe in themselves and they've got great careers. Yeah, and I think that's the great thing about social media. Do yeah, you know because I mean? it kind of gives a platform to people to showcase 100%. their work. Yeah. I mean, recently I was in a situation where I recommended a makeup artist to a celebrity and the celebrity is a big American A-lister. And she was like, oh, no, I'm not really interested in that makeup artist because I don't like her Instagram. And I was like, okay. oh, wow. So people actually look, you know, when yeah. your agent tells you, yeah. 
perfect your Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And we had this Listen. conversation and I said to her, oh, my God, how did you pick me based on my Instagram? And she said, I didn't. I picked you from your personal Instagram. Yes. Yeah, and in this case, she was attracted to my personality and thought, he's a nice person. I want to spend time with him. And I think he'll be able to do my hair. But, yeah, I guess it's a combination. You've got to be able to do the job and then be a good person as well. I love that. No one wants to spend the day with someone that's not, not a nice person. No, life's too short. We like to be surrounded by good people. Travis, you are definitely one of the good people. Oh. I have enjoyed this chat so much. And I also, I love the fact that we've been able to share with everybody that's listening that if you believe in yourself, you actually can do anything. That yeah. includes cutting Gaga's hair. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I love. Yes. So. Anything's possible. Travis, thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson, producer Tina Matalov, audio production by Darcy Thompson, executive producer Jennifer Goggin, and a special thanks to my manager, Camille Toulouse, for always being a fresh pair of ears on each episode. Listener.